1: Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible Mailbag Podcast. Wild card weekend edition. And I'm joined by my all-pro co-host, as usual, Brandon Hazlett. Brandon, before we get talking and discussing all these questions, I just want to know, how are you feeling knowing that we're just a day away from watching the Bears beat down these Philadelphia Eagles?
3: I like it. I like it a lot. I feel really good. Uh, I was saying after we recorded on on Thursday, I was you know feeling kind of nervous because we're actually talking about playoffs, you know. But it's it's a good nervous, you know. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And wild card edition audio mailbag sounds pretty cool as well.
1: Exactly, it does. We were we weren't able to do this last year, and the Bears obviously being the playoffs, it's a, it's an exciting feeling. It really is. I cannot wait for Sunday. I'm gonna watch it. I think with a couple of friends, even my uh, family's gonna come over. Do you have any big plans for the game?
3: uh i don't i am going to watch it in the solitude of my home because i think everyone else will be out so i'll be able to to really focus and yell at the tv as loud as i want no one's going to tell me not to
1: there you go that works <laughs> I, that's how i usually do it but this week will be a little bit different but are you ready to get down and break down uh all these great questions that we have this week
3: yeah let's do it do it
1: all right so our first question actually comes from a caller in enemy territory in philadelphia it comes from dean so dean here are your two questions
2: Hey guys, this is Dean
1: calling from
2: Philly. So wish me luck uh, this weekend. It's going to be rough. There's a lot of trash talk out here. Um, wanted to just talk to you a little bit about a couple different things. Um, one I tweeted about um, earlier and talked to B about it was just the PFF rankings. Wanted to bring that up for, for everybody because I think it's ridiculous that uh, Mitch would be rated 30th and really kind of discredits. Um the stat, especially since he's behind Nick Mullins and Blake Bortles. Uh, what do you think about that? Why do you think that is? Um, also, secondly, uh, one thing that uh, has not really been talked about too much was Matt Neggett's press conference said that Mitch has gone from trying to read and look at the offense to being able to read and look at the defense. Have you been able to that that um, in his development, that he's able to now focus more on defenses and read them, and be a more effective quarterback as we go into the playoffs thanks guys happy new year
3: dean that, that's a good question especially regarding the pff because i think uh i want my opinion to be heard outside of twitter because i don't have the, the greatest following which is okay because i'm not uh all that active on twitter anyway but uh you you brought up the, the pff thing and i replied to you i said i never like pff it's too deep into numbers and it can kind of be twisted however they see fit. don't read too deep into this stuff and i'm gonna tell everyone else the same thing it's uh, especially after watching Aaron Lemming and some of the Windy City Grid Aaron guys talk to PFF Chicago Bears uh, they were saying you know you know this grade's not the end all be all and I think the big part that PFF misses is the eye test uh, I mean we can we can look at numbers all day and we can say you know oh well statistically this guy's the greatest quarterback ever or this guy's the greatest basketball player ever the MJ LeBron debate whatever you know uh, but what I think you know don't take the human element out of sports. Don't overlook the eye test. And I think that's something that PFF really misses, especially when they have this ranking out uh, regarding quarterbacks and Trubisky being 30th. It's, you know, don't read too deep into it, uh, but it's, it's something that I don't personally like. And I don't really look at a whole lot too, uh, too often. So Nick, I want to kind of, Swing it over to you, what do you think about Trubisky being ranked 30th on that PFF list?
1: Well, honestly, it's just dumb, to be completely honest. When you have Nick Mullins and Blake Bortles over Mitch Trubisky, that's how you know there's a problem with this system. However they grade in look, pro football Focus PFF has um, some good stats and some that I will use myself during preparation for, you know, a game week for an opponent, but when you're putting these individual grades on players and whatever their system is, however they factor in the grade that each player gets— Like you said, the numbers don't correlate. The grade doesn't correlate with what the player has actually done. Because how can you have a Mullins or a Blake Bortles over a Mitch Trubisky who is... What does it mean to be locally owned and operated? For Senex, it means everything. It means that we know if you take your coffee to go or if you like to stay a while. It means we've helped Little Leagues get jerseys and local festivals get funding. It means we know what our communities need. So you'll always leave Senex with a full tank, full of snacks, or full of smiles. Or all of the above. And that means the world to us. Senex Powered locally. Still playing and, you know, has done pretty damn good things this season, to be completely honest. Blake Boris was benched. He was benched earlier in the season, right. yet he has a higher grade, which doesn't make any sense. So that's why, for me, and PFF, I, I really don't like to look into player grades. Uh, to see how the, pl- the players actually playing because Mitch Trubisky, uh, being ranked the thirtieth best quarterback in the league according to their grades—that's not true. It it it, cl- it clearly isn't. He's done some great things. Yes, he's been inconsistent. You know, th- at times this season, but he's not the thirtieth or best, whatever it may be. That that just doesn't. It doesn't seem right. That's why when when I see these PFF grades and you know Adrian Amos last year being like the best graded safety. You know, he's not. You really, you, you know, he's not. He's a solid player, but he's not the best safety. There's no way. And that's why right. Mitch Strabisky's not the 30th best quarterback according to these grades. So that's what I think about this. And it was interesting and that um, we got a question too, on this. You,
3: yeah, before you switch over to the second part, there's something else, too, that really grinds my gears about it when I'm scrolling through the, the Twitter feeds. When Aaron Lemming and all those guys are talking to the PFF Chicago Bears, you know, they're saying that when they grade, you know, these open. Uh, underneath routes are just kind of looked at as a neutral thing, even though we're getting positive yards on it. So that that just blows me away that they can't even take a, a positive gain into something into consideration either, like regardless how easy it is. So I that just grinds my gears about
1: it. Yeah, that is a, another weird stat like something neutral, like you said, but you're getting positive yards, it's a good play, you move the chains, like how's that neutral then? That's a you know, a good play that can uh sustain or extend a drive or whatever it may be. It doesn't that doesn't make sense. I think when you look at pro football focused grades and you have some of those meatball fans are like, Oh, how can you say that Mitch is, you know better than Nick Foles when he's a 30th-ranked quarterback. Like, okay, we see where you're at in the spectrum of right. things with sports. You're looking at just these greats that constitute how good these players are doing. That's what I think, It you know, it benefits those kind of fans. Like, oh, you have a 30th-ranked quarterback. No way you can beat us. All right, we, we see where what you're doing, but uh, to answer the second part of the question about uh, Mitch now more so being able to read defenses as opposed to, uh, as opposed to reading his own offense, I think you can see that with his game, especially over the last over the last just three weeks. Even though Mitch is only thrown for three touchdowns in three weeks, I just think the decision making of his uh you know his throws is really dictating him seeing just overall the defense. And just go back to the last game of the year against Minnesota. There were times where Mitch Trubisky had there was a, a blitz coming unblocked, and he has to make the hot read, but he has to be able to trust where you know the the defenders are going to be and where his offensive players are going to be, his receivers. So he's just throwing to a spot in the field where he knows receiver is going to be because he knows the defense isn't going to be there. So I think you're seeing Mitch Trubisky, especially from week one uh, under the lights in Green Bay, being a little hesitant with his throws, not being decisive. To now, it just seems like there's more conviction in his throws. He knows where he wants to go. He knows where the one-on-one coverage is. And Matt Nagy's play calling obviously helps there. But I think you could definitely see him... Not so much just okay. What do I need to do on what's my assignment on this play for for the offense? As opposed to now, okay, I know what the defense is doing. I already know what the offense is doing. I've been practicing you know this offense for the entire year now. And look, he hasn't mastered it or anything. It takes a long time, but he's definitely getting more comfortable with the system, and it's showing in his play. Um, just. Overall, he has a 66.6 completion percentage for the regular season. I think that's you know pretty good for what he's been able to do in a new system. But just looking at the last three weeks and just how he's been efficiently distributing the football without not having a lot of the touchdown passes, like I said, he's just knowing where to go. What do you think, Brandon? Is, do, have you seen this growth from Mitch Trubisky from, let's say, just week one of the regular season to, to now?
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I was looking at the same free game window that you are, because he's completed 76% of his passes over that time. And, you know, so it tells me he's getting really comfortable with his with his offensive line, knowing that they're going to give him time to be able to scan the field, uh, knowing where his guys are at and being able to trust them. Like you said, on the hot routes when those blitzes come. And, you know, the example that I was going to bring up was the Taylor Gabriel. 42-yard pass that was almost a touchdown uh, against Minnesota because he he knew the matchup. He liked that matchup. He's seen it was only one-on-one coverage, and he took a shot. I mean, that's him studying the defense and knowing about that cornerback uh, and what Taylor Gabriel can do. So if he sees that in a game, he's going to take advantage of it, and he did in that situation. And then, unfortunately, Taylor Gabriel couldn't come back. But regardless, that's uh, something that you know you see growth in a quarterback that way. When he's able to scan the field, uh, he's no, you know, he knows where his guys are at because now he's established himself in this playbook enough uh, to know it. I want to say that at the back of his hand because he, like you said, he hasn't mastered it yet, but he trusts his guys to know where they're going to be. And he's starting to study the defense, which is going to tell me that he knows. Uh, what matchups to take advantage of and which ones to watch? Because I think when you see these uh, younger quarterbacks, and one of the knocks on Trubisky early was uh just the the one look read to the hot routes, he's not really scanning, can't throw left, whatever that false narrative is now. Uh, then I think that we we've, we've seen that progression because now he can scan the field, take his time. He doesn't quite get the happy feet, although I, we still expect to see it tomorrow, I think. But regardless, he's he's really taking steps forwards, and I'm you know it, it's good.
1: Yeah, and that's what's so. I guess fun and exciting for fans to watch a young quarterback and seeing his growth at, you know, just throughout a season and even his rookie season, just seeing where he's, you know, where he started and where he's at now. It's really exciting and really hopeful for bears fans to see that Mitch Trubisky is taking the next steps and he has throughout this entire season. Yes, we do want to see him be more consistent, but I would say for the most part, um, his 2018 regular season was definitely, definitely a step up from last year and just one that, Bears fans were expecting. So it's great to see that he is taking those right steps and being that franchise quarterback. All right, Brandon, we're going to go to our second question of the day, and it comes from Jonathan. And We actually met Jonathan in Canton. Uh, it was a great time meeting him. We got to hang out with him and his dad, so it was, it was a great time. And he has two questions, and here they are.
2: Hey, Chicago Audible, this is Jonathan outside of Detroit. Uh, two quick questions. The first question is but the Bears playing on Sunday night, Do you think it's uh, more of an advantage for them to play the following Saturday or Sunday after they beat the Eagles? Just curious as to your thoughts, you know, whether the one day of rest is going to be an issue or not. Second question is for Nick. Is a fellow Spider-Man fan Mary Jane or Gwen Stacy? Pertinent that you answer this. Thanks. Take care, guys.
1: Jonathan, to answer the first part of your question, do I think there's an advantage? I wouldn't say so. If the Bears beat the Eagles, which they will, they'll play them on Saturday at 7.15. So it'll go from a Sunday game to a Saturday game. But I just look back into the regular season, this regular season, where the Bears had to play 12 or it was 12 days, and then they played three games in that span. So regardless of the time frame, the time off, the Bears have been able to you know, come back and do what they need to do, take care of business. And I know there may be some people thinking, well, what about the bye week? What about that long extended layoff? Uh, just things like that. Well, yeah, you can definitely look at it that way. But I just don't think it gives them an advantage either Saturday or Sunday, whatever they play. It is a, It would be a Saturday night game for the Rams. Like I said, send 15 so I don't think it gives them an advantage. I just think that the Bears have done a good job this season of being able to uh, just get their schedule right for whatever, whenever the game is at, where it's at, regardless of any of those circumstances. I think the Bears have done a good job, and it goes credit to Matt Nagy and how he's handled uh, his ball club. So I don't think there is an advantage, but Brandon, do you have any thoughts on that?
3: First of all, I just want to say how to John. Hope you and your family are doing well. Nice, nice to hear from you again. And tell your dad that I'm still struggling to get over the pretty lost Auburn a couple weeks ago in the bowl <laughs> game. Uh, but regardless, to get to your your question, I, I'm with Nick on this one. I don't think there is really a clear cut advantage. Initially, I said yes, uh, but then brought up. You know, I was thinking back to the schedule and you know what you said, Nick, having three games in twelve days. I mean. It tells me that the, the, this Bears team is just ready whenever and whoever and what time. I mean, you tell them they're going to be there. They're going to show up ready to play and confident they're going to win. That's just the nature of this team, and I, I like it. They're confident. Uh, got the swaggy, naggy thing going on, too. you know. So I, I think this team's got uh, everything in the right mindset to be able to play whenever and whoever uh, at what time. So it's uh, it, it's fun to see. Uh, I like the the team that plays that way. So I, I don't think there's really a clear-cut advantage uh, either way. Tell the Bears to be there. They're going to be there. They're going to play.
1: I like that. They are going to be there, ready to play, and, you know, just get on with the next opponent. All right, Jonathan, to answer the the second question, which I thought was uh, pretty fun, obviously being Spider-Man fans here, and it was an interesting one that I, I really had to think about. It. I actually asked a couple of my, I asked my brother, my friends, like, Mary Jane or Gwen Stacy. I didn't know how to take it. So just to give some background for those that may not know, Gwen Stacy was Peter Parker's first love. Um... Uh, connected over their passion for science. Uh, She ended up dying from the Green Goblin, then Peter Parker eventually marries uh, Mary Jane. But if I had to choose one of those two, I'd actually go with Gwen Stacy, because I just believe that her character, there's a little bit more to her. In one alternate universe, she is a Spider-Woman. She was just recently in the animated Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I really liked her character there. So to answer your question, I would go Gwen Stacy. Uh, like I said, I think there's just more character to her. I'm glad that we were able to incorporate a Marvel Spider-Man question <laughs> into our Wildcard Edition of the Audio Mailbag Podcast. So that was pretty cool. But Jonathan, thanks again. Brandon said it was great that you're reconnecting here. And
0: finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.
1: Hopefully we can get another question for the next audio mailbag after the Bears defeat the Philadelphia Eagles. Alright, we're going to go to our third question of the day and it comes from a caller from Hawaii. Here's your question.
2: Hi, Bears fan here. Baja from Hawaii. And I just wanted to call and ask a little bit about injuries because the Bears have really dodged the bullet in terms of injuries for the entire year. We've been relatively healthy, but now uh, we are a little banged up. Uh, Anthony Miller, who, his, uh, who separated his shoulder in Arizona did it again yesterday. Uh, Taylor Gabriel's got a shoulder injury. Alan Robinson's got some stuff. So Allen Robinson, Eddie Jackson, Aaron Lynch, of all of the guys who the, who the Bears have injured right now, who would you rather have play? If you had to pick one player um, of the of the Bears the injury report, who do you think would have the most impact on this game? Thanks.
1: That's an interesting question. And just to clarify, this question was submitted on Wednesday, and we've got some news since then about a couple of those players being ready to play for Sunday, Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson, um, Eddie Jackson did practice but was limited. And then Aaron Lynch is probably the guy that is going to be doubtful and not going to play on Sunday. But out of all those guys that are injured, that were injured, if I can only have one of them play, who would I pick? I think I'd go with Allen Robinson. I think this is the guy. And I know this maybe may not be the popular answer because you have Eddie Jackson, all pro safety, uh, you know, just a playmaker, ball hawk. But I think when you look at the defense as a whole, you just have more playmakers on that side of the ball. And even though Eddie Jackson is crazy he is, one of the best safeties, if not the best safety in the league, you still, I think, can win with that defense without him. The Bears showed that. With Deion Bush being back there, no. He's not an Eddie Jackson by all means. Uh, and he did have a pass interference call against the Minnesota Vikings in that Week 17 matchup. But I would say for the most part, he did his job. But with Allen Robinson, I think if you have you don't have him, it's a big part of the offense that is missing. It's a guy that you can put anywhere on the field, a guy that Mitch Trubisky has really gone to throughout this season almost like that security blanket. And I think that if you take him out, then you're m- more so relying on a rookie in Anthony Miller, Taylor Gabriel, who is also dealing with an injury. And I think Allen Robinson just presents a lot of different options for Matt Nagy in the offense. So if I had to go with only one, I'd take Allen Robinson. What about you, Brandon? If you can only choose one of those guys and only one, who would you choose?
3: Uh, Well, I'm taking the all-pro safety Eddie Jackson, the the popular answer here. uh, Because you said it. He's just a playmaker. He's the all-pro safety back there. So I think that he plays more of a role for the defense. I mean, we've seen the defense. You said they've got all these playmakers already, but what's one more. I mean, come on, we can, we can have, you know, all these guys getting after the quarterback, putting all the pressure on them and he can still complete passes by Jackson's going to be out there jumping routes, uh, batting the ball down, picking them off, hopefully. So I, if there's going to be one guy I want back, it's going to be Eddie Jackson. The reason that I would be okay without Anthony Miller, or Allen Robinson, uh, at least from a wide receiver standpoint, I think that's a position that's very interchangeable, uh, obviously having a security blanket's nice, but we've seen Mitch Trubisky be able to connect with Josh Bellamy and Javon Wims and even Kevin White from time to time this season. So it's not that, you know, I wouldn't miss Allen Robinson. I'm glad he's going to be out there. Glad he's going to be playing. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but just from a positional standpoint, as far as the game of football goes, I just think wide receiver is such an interchangeable position. I don't think there's really a need to overpay for any one guy that you desperately need to have. I, you know, because we, we've seen the Patriots, you know, as the classic example, have these guys, smaller undersized guys, very overlooked, you know, be able be able to go out there and and run good routes and be able to get uh open for Tom Brady, who's able to get on the ball. So it's, I think it's just the wide receiver position itself is very interchangeable. So that way, I, you know, for that reason, I don't think Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson are technically all that in, important. Uh, I mean, they are, uh, but then the position itself is just. A lot of inflex, I think, just in football in general, not these guys. Uh, and then, additionally, Aaron Lynch, just add, throw him in there in the conversation as well. Pass rusher is extremely important, but there's just so many on this team uh, that Aaron Lynch. He, he's done a lot of good things. He's exceeded expectations this year, uh, but they're just so deep. We've seen Isaiah Irving be able to get back there and get to Kirk Cousins last week, you know. So i I don't think they necessarily miss his presence as much as they would any other pass rusher. So that's why I'm going with Eddie Jackson.
1: That's a good argument there. I like it. So maybe in the comments for the YouTube video later, say who you would rather have. Uh, out of those four, out of the four players ever mentioned, uh, if you can only have one, Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson, A. Jackson, Aaron Lynch, who would you rather have? Who won the argument? Brandon? <laughs> we'll see. But uh, it would be cool to just get your opinion on the comments below. All right. We're going to go to our last audio question of the day, and it comes from Dan. Dan, here's your question.
2: Hi, this is Dan from Moline, Illinois. got a question for you guys. Do you see uh Nagy using the trick play, <clears throat> using Burton to throw a touchdown to Trubisky, kind of like how Peterson did with Burton in the Super Bowl? I could see it happening. If it does, it'd be awesome. Not a not big deal, but uh, it'd be a pretty cool thing to see. All right, right on.
3: Dan, that's a good question. Uh, you know, especially considering the opponent and the head coach. And, you know, it's a it's a good storyline to follow. Trey Burton come back against his old team. You know, what what's he gonna be able to do? Is he gonna be able to flip that script and put that same pass on him that they ran in the Super Bowl? Uh, no, I don't think so. I see a trick play uh, in this game, but I don't necessarily think it's a, a Trey Burton pass. because uh, Trey Burton said, you know, the day of the, the Giants game when Cohen threw that touchdown pass that he didn't feel comfortable being the one to throw that ball. Uh, and, that, and that's why Cohen got the nod to do so. So, do I foresee a trick play? Yes. Uh, Nagy's going to pull anything out of his bag, especially in the playoffs, uh, to win a game and, and stay aggressive and get the crowd into it, especially at home. Uh, but I think a Burton pass is kind of out of the question because uh, he said, you know, when he wasn't comfortable about it, uh, it's just because that's a pass that he, he always lives in the moment for. Uh, he's got a hard time really kind of replicating it. I think is what he was was saying in his, his presser. I don't remember what ex- where exactly he said it. it said somewhere on one of the Bears' video feeds on YouTube. So it's uh, I thought that was an interesting uh, perspective on that pass, but I don't necessarily foresee one in a potentially uh, um revenge game. That's what I was looking for.
1: Yeah, I mean that makes sense. Brandon Trey Burton said he wasn't comfortable with it, but then again, it's Matt Nagy. They're play, there's Bradley sells catching two point receptions and. Uh, so is Nick Koukowsky. There are guys that are all over the field catching, throwing. Anthony Miller's throwing one to Chase Daniel. But it could be an option. I think uh, if Matt Nagy really wants Trey Burton to be involved in something like that, I think he'll try to. But like you said, Burton said he wasn't comfortable, so maybe they might go a different route. But I was just telling you early before we started recording that I'm surprised Mitch Trubisky doesn't have a reception this year just being – as athletic as he is, being a pretty good runner in the open field, I'm I'm surprised. So maybe we see something like that happen. Maybe we don't. But like you said, Brandon, Matt Nagy's not going to hold anything back. He's going to bring out all of his tricks out to this playoff game on Sunday. So expect anything. And I do expect some trick plays from both these teams because that's just the kind of guys Matt Nagy and Doug Pearson are. They will do anything to win, and nothing is – Not an option, really. So it's going to be interesting (laughs) to see the play calling in this one. But you never know. Keep your options open because I think anything can happen in this one. All right, that's going to conclude our audio questions for this podcast. But as usual, we have some good Twitter questions. And finally, it's been the first time ever, I think, I got my friend, Ben. I didn't even get him to ask a question. He just <laughs> asked the question willingly, and I was, like, really surprised to see it. But this comes from at underscore Ben Castellanos, and his question is, if the Bears don't end the season with a Super Bowl championship, do you think Fangio will take one of the many head jobs available? If so, who are your top replacement options? And this is a good question, one that I you know had to do some research on because – uh, to, well, first to answer the first part of the question, I don't think Fangio will take any of the jobs. I just don't. And that's just not me being an optimistic Bears fan saying, oh, I think is going to come back because, well, we need him. Well, I just believe Fangio is a guy that is seeing what this defense is capable of. And we, we kind of talked about this on a previous, I think, audio mailbag, Brandon. But there's just yeah. so many defensive players just that are you could just work with. And when you get a Khalil Mack this year and a Roquan Smith, it's for Fangio. It's like, why wouldn't you stay? You already have arguably the best defense football in your you know first year. Getting these two guys in there, and then a Jackson playing at the level he is, Kyle Fuller playing at the level that he is, and now you are leave to go maybe take a possible head coaching job. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to turn down you know a job like that where you get to be the guy. But look, remember what Fangio said earlier this week, this past Sunday. I'm preparing himself. upcoming interviews I've done zero on that here's the quote I've done zero on that zero I have enough on my plate coaching these guys and the other things I'll deal with it as they come up that's that's what Vic Fangio said in the press conference earlier this week and I truly believe that he's not even looking towards any of these head coaching positions because he's just so focused on trying to develop a scheme that can beat the Philadelphia Eagles and there are reports that Fangio is considered to be the front-runner for the Broncos' position um, with Vance Joseph being fired. So there's there's probably his interest, I would assume. So Vic Fangio is a great coach, and it makes sense. But now, Ben, to answer the second part of the question, my top replacements, and like I said, I had to do some research, and I'm not setting any of these guys, but it would make sense. It would just make sense if maybe these guys are candidates. Um, just look in-house, maybe just look at, their their DB coach, Ed Donato, he's been a defensive coordinator before. Packers in 2000, the Falcons in 2004-2006, to 2006, and he was a defensive coordinator at Washington uh, in college in 2008. So he went to San Francisco, though, in 2011 with Vic Fangio and then followed him to the Bears in 2015. So he knows the defense, has been a deep coordinator before. It would just make sense. But then here's the other thing. If Vic Fangio leaves... There's a likelihood that Donatel would probably go with them. I just think of Matt Nagy and how he kept following Andy Reid. That eventually worked out. So maybe Donatel would want to do the same thing. Uh, That's just one of my options. But, Brandon, before I go and maybe take any of yours, uh, what do you think about possibly Fangio taking an available head coaching job and a replacement that you may have?
3: Uh, I don't think that he will uh, take a head coaching job because I think the the mold that a lot of teams are looking for is the young, offensive-minded, the Matt Nagy's and the Sean McVay's of that nature. And Vic Fangio is 110% the opposite of that. He's the older, defensive-minded guy. So, I mean, there, there might be teams, right? There's definitely be teams that I think go against the grain and try and find that guy, and that's where Fangio's going to be able to excel in his interviews uh, just because they they know that about him. But I don't foresee him taking it because when he went to the Super Bowl with the 49ers as the D coordinator in 2013, they didn't win that. Uh, and I think as a uh, a challenge, something that he would look at and go, you know, we we are in a position where we could win one or, or multiple if I stay here long enough with a, a good defense, you know? So I think that uh, that's a challenge that he's going to look at and go, I think I'm going to stay right here. Personally, that's just what I think. I don't know him. I don't know what's going through his mind. Wish him the best of luck with whatever he does. Frankly, I hope he stays. Uh, but if he does leave, uh, I found a good list from Twenty Four Seven Sports as far as you know a good list of candidates that makes sense. He talked about in house options at Donatel, or you could go with uh, Jay Rogers, the defensive line coach, or Glenn Pierce, the linebacker coach, because uh, they, they know the system, they know these guys, they're they're very familiar with it. And of the in house guys, I would pick at Donatel myself. Uh, so we're in agreement there. But then they gave some uh, about six outside options, uh, one of them being Todd Bowles. Uh, the ex-Jets coach, Steve Wilks, the ex-Cardinals coach, Chuck Pagano, uh, the old Colts coach. Uh, I'm not sure what the relation is here, if any, but John Pagano. uh, He's the Texans outside linebacker coach. Chris Hewitt, the Ravens defensive back coach, and Jack Del Rio, uh, frankly, we can toss Jack Del Rio out the window there. I don't want him on this team. Uh, but I would look at Chris Hewitt as an outside option because that Ravens defense is pretty good. So you're taking a guy from a, a very good defense uh, and just transitioning him over to a team that's already got a lot of talent and a lot of good defensive backs as well for him to work with. Uh, and he knows the importance of a, a good pass rush be able to allow his DB guys to to excel as well. So I, I would look at Chris Hewitt, I think, is my favorite outside uh, source if we were to go with one. Do you have anyone off of my list? here as far as outside options that you like more than another nick
1: you know not on that list because i was looking at i was looking at todd bowles just seeing what those jets defenses have done and i wasn't really all impressed uh what he's done as a head coach and just in his head coaching career coaching career Uh, but i'm actually looking at the guy that vic fangio might replace uh vance joseph he was just fired like i said earlier by the broncos after two seasons as head coach but just looking at his defense, running a 3-4, he also had a very disruptive pass rusher in Avon Miller and also a rookie in Bradley Chubb. And I kind of just thought about Mack and Floyd and like, OK, he can work with those guys. And like I said, running 3-4, 2018 uh, this past season wasn't very good for the Broncos. But in 2017, they were number three in total yards. And uh, there are a bunch of other defensive categories that maybe didn't fall in line with what the Bears are doing. But it's hard to kind of compare any defense right now to what the Bears are doing because they're playing phenomenal. But maybe that's a name that can make sense. Someone that can come in, maybe have a smooth transition, running the same type of defense, having a disruptive pass rusher, having some good guys, like some good uh, DBs in the back end that can create plays. But look, this is all speculation. This can all be for none if Vic Fangio just stays and wants to win multiple championships with this Bears and this great defense that he has going right now. But yeah, that's all I have. We'll see what ends up happening. I'm hoping the Bears just keep on winning. So Vic Fangio doesn't have to worry about inter- any interviews because he's not going to give them the time of day because he's going to be preparing for that next opponent. All right, Brandon, we're going to go to our last Twitter question of the day. Last question overall for the podcast, and it comes from at E underscore Sherman 58. And his question is, why is everyone forgetting the Eagles didn't play a single road game in their last run last year? Well, single road playoff game, and that is true. Last year, last year's Eagles finished thirteen and three. They lost one game at home. They had a first round bye, played two playoff games at Lincoln Financial Field, and obviously won the Super Bowl. This year, the Eagles were six and three at home and three and four on the road. Well, the Bears, they're seven and one at home this season. Only game the Bears lost this season at home was against the Patriots. And remember, the Bears gave up two special teams touchdowns. And the Bears lost 38-31 to and were a yard short from sending that game into overtime. The Bears are a tough team to beat at home. So all these Philadelphia Eagles fans that are thinking they're going to come into Soldier Field, just knock out the Bears and just continue with their playoff run, look, Just calm that down, especially Alshon Jeffrey, which we talked about in the preview podcast. But I don't know where this this confidence is coming from. Yes, you are 2017 Super Bowl champions. This is not the same Philadelphia Eagles team. I know there's a lot of the same players, but they have not played the same way. So coming into Soldier Field, only one team has done it this year and actually won, and they barely won. And they're lucky they won. The Patriots are lucky they won because they had special teams turnovers, and they were a yard. The Bears were a yard short from Kevin White's reception at the end of the game. If you think the Philadelphia Eagles are just going come on, come in here and steamroll the Bears, you're absolutely wrong. So that's what I think. This was a great question because look, the Bears the Bears have had a lot of success at home, and the Eagles have not had a lot of success on the road. What's your take on this, Brandon?
3: Eagles haven't had a lot of success on the road, and they also haven't had much success against teams over 500. I think they're also three and four against teams uh, with a winning record. So, at home, uh, the Bears have a, a very favorable record as far as you know matching up with the teams that are uh, over 500. The Bears are four and one in that category, uh, and I, I they're just going to win. I'm just, I'm just going to say right now they're they're going to win. I don't know how else to put it. There's just so many factors uh, that the Eagles. I mean, they're not the same team as last year, like you said. So. Uh, I think the fact that they have to go on the road in this one uh, is going to play a big part. We'll see how tough that Eagles team really is now that they have to come on the road and they're not very good against teams over 500.
1: Yeah. And they're playing a, they haven't played a defense like, I mean, yes, they play the Houston Texans week 16, but this is the bears defense. This is the best defense in the NFL. This has arguably the best defensive player in football and Cleo Mack. And let's see what this Eagles team is really about. And this is just getting me hyped up and ready for tomorrow. <laughs> Rand. I cannot wait. But we're going we're gonna to end this episode. But before we do, look, we're confident that the Bears are going to move on to the second round of the playoffs and play the, the Rams. So what that means is there's going to be another opportunity to get your questions heard on the Chicago Audible Mailbag Podcast. And all you have to do, as usual, is call, just call 872-240-4007. And that number again is 872-240-4007. Just call, leave your name, where you're from. We'll shout you out on the podcast, and you can get your question heard. And as usual, you can always leave Twitter questions. We'll have a tweet later in the week because, like, it's, like we said, we are expecting the Bears to beat these Eagles, move on to the second round, and continue this great 2018 NFL season. But until next time, Bear Down Chicago. Bear.